you pitched this like near-death experience thing, and I had an immediate understanding of what that is. And it was only right after that that uh, I realized I don't know what I'm talking about. And let me tell you about my distant relative, my distant aunt. She talk, has spent years talking about how she's almost died. Um, she was once bit by, bit by a, air quotes, black widow spider. And like it was indeed a, a black spider, but we don't know if it was a widower. And... Um, there, she was nearly attacked by a bear. No, the, the bear like ate some trash, I think near her tent. <laughs> um, she f- almost fell into an icy river while rafting. Almost uh-huh. could have died. near. Right. So near. And possibly an asteroid was in the mix somewhere. So all of those to her were near death experiences. <laughs> That right. that is the foundational experience that I bring to this conversation with Bruce Grayson. Bruce Grayson, professor emeritus of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences at the University of Virginia, who studies near-death experiences and has done so for five decades. Okay, Dodge. Yeah. Rough. It's so really different from that then, huh? Yeah. Not once during the conversation you had with him did he bring up asteroids? Not <laughs> I don't even remember trash-eating bears. I don't no. remember anything about Black Widows. But what I do remember no. is him getting pretty clear, these are not um, almost died experiences. No, that's a different thing. And I, that's why I want to open with that. Just because you nearly averted disaster on the highway doesn't mean it was a near-death experience. That's true. One of the things I found really fascinating um, that I never knew before was that they call it near-death experiences, first of all, because Raymond Moody, his mentor and another professor at at the University of Virginia, coined this term. And I always wondered why in the world did he call it a near-death experience? Mm -hmm. As far as I knew, every person who had one had actually died. died. Yeah. They died first, right? Their heart stopped. Right. Which is a an important ingredient. Like, let's foundationally, your your mechanics have to stop. Here's the weirdest freaking thing. I only learned this reading this book. Okay, there are things they call fear death experiences that where you can have a full near death experience on the way down if you're falling off a cliff, Mm -hmm. not after you hit the ground and die. It's on the way down, Mm -hmm. and then because you chose not to leave your body at that time. When you hit the ground, you don't die. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? So there, are, you can have a full near-death experience around a an experience where, basically, from what I understand, it's an opportunity. It's it's sort of a moment when you have an approved exit from your body. Mm-hmm. And from mm-hmm. what I understand, from lots of research and reading and um, interviews over time, not not something Grayson was talking about, but a lot of people will come back and. And say, what I was told was, this is one of the moments I'm allowed to leave, but I don't have to leave now. Mm-hmm. I that's have a fear, had that's a fear death experience. That, could no, be that's a near even death a near death experience. experience. Could be the whole yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. What, it, what this really die. tells me more than anything is that these experiences have a marketing and branding problem. Because there, yep. I don't think either of those <laughs> terms truly describe what we just talked about with him for an hour. And, and what we talked about was absolutely stunning, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. what an amazing sort of conversation to have about a phenomenon 
that I was saying to you before the show, truly, Pete, in all the conversations we've had, we've never reached a <laughs> paradoxical change experience so huge as this mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. One of them is he says after an illustrious career as a psychiatrist at multiple universities, um, he can think of no other change agent so great and so immediate as a near-death experience. In literally seconds, it can do, you know, more than exercise or sleep or decades of therapy or just the right medicine or just the right meditation for the rest of forever. Mm-hmm. It can do more than all of those things in a matter of seconds. That's astounding. But what's really astounding is what it is that does it. Like, how in the world is it that people become so infinitely more alive for having died? Yeah. Yeah. Even people who are suicidal, man. Right. That's stunning. It is stunning. And and it's stunning. It's stunning both as an observer, right? As somebody who's never had a near-death or fear-death experience. Any of the death-adjacent experiences, (laughs) I've not had. Um, and yeah, and so it's, it is all of that is stunning. And also this is what I've been really perseverating on how impenetrable the experience is, right? What I want in my life is to go through the review, have the awakening and feel more alive in the tomorrow than I do today, but I can't do it without going through this process. That's hard for me to stomach. So those are kind of the lessons that I, I want to tease out of this. Like, how do I live my life to achieve those same outcomes of wisdom and, and awareness and insight so that, you know, we don't all have to die to get there? Yeah. Isn't that the rub? Like that, that it becomes... completely is. I have to say, having grown up knowing about near-death experiences my whole life, um, yeah. I've always been jealous. I sure as hell don't want to deal with the pain because a lot of these stories are gruesome, I have to say. Like, I mean, when you hear the number of injuries these people have to then live with when they come back into their bodies, it's astounding. Yeah. But even that's not necessarily true. Sometimes they are fear-death experiences, like the one I told I shared Mm -hmm. about my mother-in-law. Sometimes they are ones where people are riddled with cancer, given a chance to leave. When they say, no, I really want to be here, I have a... You know, and they're given a purpose. Their cancer clears up in a matter of weeks um, from some really interesting experiences, but none of them sound pleasant. Right. Um, One of the things that's weird is I don't know how many other people will have this experience reading this book, um, but I feel like I, I, I got sort of a contact high. Did you really? Yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, there's something about, I mean, I did a lot of research for this this podcast, so I did watch a bunch of extra interviews and so on. But, you know, he describes um, innumerable accounts in here in great detail in, in their, their own words, and they're really beautiful. And what he's describing is, is kind of a game changer, one that I knew about, mm-hmm. but to hear about it in detail, something about it feels like it it changes things um and i talked about that a little bit on the show like what am i doing i just spent 25 minutes trying to save a baby bird that i already know i can't save 
Mm-hmm. But I just sort of wanted the little guy to feel loved before I got in my car and drove away. And I really did my best to, like, set him up with some water and put him somewhere where his mom could find him. I mean, I, it was a, kind of interesting. And it's been changing a lot of things. I still save worms. You still save worms. Me too. Oh, yeah. Well, we got a lot of a lot of wet here. And yeah, you got whenever worms, worms rush out on the thing, I always, when I'm going on a walk, I always pick up a worm and put it back in the dirt. This is... To see that you're going to love Weird, that right? in your 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 life review. All the worms. Do I have to go through all of them? Is that how that works? It's just. Wouldn't that be horrible? That's another paradox. Here's your journey to awakening, Pete. All we're showing you are the worms. <laughs> no, what they're going to show you is the love, yeah. the love and the missed opportunities for love. This is what I understand most about these life reviews. In fact, for our experiential exercise, um, which uh, we will have available um what i really want to do is is just read in some detail some some life review experiences because i want people to have some sense of like uh you can pay attention to your life like you're going to relive this moment too what will that be like you're not going to just relive your side of it you're very likely to relive absolutely everything around you You'll be inside that other mind and this other mind all at the same time. Mm -hmm. That, to me, kind of changes things. Like, he was joking about it. He was like, how's this going to look in my life review? You know, do I want to be a jerk about this? Uh, Totally. But that's if that's inspirational for how you live life today, then that is also part of kind of the paradox. The change. Right. 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 So much for it. And what's beautiful about it is that's, as as I'll share in, in the exercise, somebody explains it really well. It's not a threatening experience. You don't go back through it feeling like a terrible person or feeling horrible guilt. It's an incredibly loving, very evolved experience. But you do get to learn about the impact you're having on everyone around you. And especially about this sense that we are absolutely all completely connected. Like that great Albert Brooks, Meryl Streep movie. Defending your life. Remember that? Mm-mm. Oh, Dodge. What? You I don't remember it. have not I seen probably... Defending Your Life? I might have, but I don't remember it by you... the title. What, what do you need me to know? We have to, to speak? We have to do this better. You and me, we have to fix this. This is going <laughs> to be our undoing if my movie references fall on deaf ears. Albert Brooks <laughs> dies and he goes to the afterlife, and the afterlife is all white and clean and wonderful. You can eat whatever you want. There are trams that take you around like you don't have any any fear at all. And then during the day, you sit in judgment where they review videos of your life. And uh, his are all just absolute, like, kind of middling to fair, some bottom of the barrel stuff where he made choices out of, like, anxiety or fear that he really has to live. And if he if he fails the life review in defending your life, he has to go live life again. That's reincarnation. But if you succeed, then you get on another tram and you're taken to the next stage of whatever evolution or spiritual development. And his he falls in love in the afterlife with Meryl Streep. And all of her videos are like, she is going to run back into the burning house and save that cat. Like, she <laughs> is going to do it. Like, she's just amazing. And he has to, like, adjust to this these life review parallels that are delightful and comedic and also kind of nail it like it's what it <laughs> feels like to me it's in hindsight the movie's pretty good that's so awesome yeah. worth watching i'm gonna have to check that out
Mm-hmm. Wanted to share, so just sort of on this subject of, of paradox um, and how profoundly a near-death experience can, ch- can change somebody's life. One of the really interesting places this came up is, you know, as, as he shared as a psychiatrist, his fear was, wait a minute, if people get hold of this, that near death, you know, that the death experience is blissful, suicidal mm-hmm. people are going to be offing themselves everywhere. Right? Yeah. And that, you know, surely somebody was suicidal and then gets bounced back to this side is just going to want to try again because, you know, it was great yeah. over there. Right? Yeah, right. So can I read you a little quote about the conversation he describes? Yeah. So he says, so help me understand this, I said gingerly. You're back in your body with pain that the doctors can't seem to control. Pain so bad that it made you want to die. Now, what's keeping you from trying to end it all again? Well, it's true that I'm no longer afraid of death, he said, but I'm also no longer afraid of life. Yes, I'm still in a lot of pain. And I don't say a way out of that for now. But I also see that my pain and suffering are given to me for a reason. I see now that there is a meaning to everything that happens and a purpose for all our problems. He stopped and took a drink of water from the cup by his bed. I was sent back for a reason. I have a job to do here. The pain is something I have to learn to deal with, not something I need to escape from. He paused as if waiting my reaction, weighing my reaction and whether he should say more. Then he continued, I understand now that I'm more than just a collection of molecules. I have a profound connection to everything else in the universe. The problems of this bag of skin are not that important. There's meaning and purpose to my being back here in this body. I can tell you as a psychologist working with lots of people who are suicidal, it's really freaking hard to get somebody from suicidal to believing that in a matter of 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I mean, I, and you can't, I don't think there's anything I can say that doesn't absolutely minimize the experience of an NDE, right? Like, right. Uh, it, it would come off as, as a joke, but it is at the very root of why it's easy to feel a little jealous, to yeah. your point earlier. Yeah, I mean, I you you hear about some of the um, hallucinogenic experiences and experiments, uh, and <laughs> some of them are not fun. They're yeah. crazy rides, but sometimes people do have something like what what Grayson's describing here. Do you remember the part where he was talking about um, a near death experience gives you this flash awareness? It's like yes. for a moment, your mind literally is turned off. I mean, sorry, your brain is literally turned off. And if your brain is a filter that blocks out absolutely everything not relevant to this realm, once the brain stops, all of a sudden your mind is free to experience like this, this huge expanded reality that mm-hmm. is, you know, the so-called other side. So he was saying it's a little like if you're driving down a, you know, a dark windy road with headlights in the rain and lightning flashed you'd suddenly see the trees and the farmhouses and the curves in the road and exactly where you're going and then you'd be back to all headlights Mm -hmm. but for just that moment now you got it right right 
and I have another analogy for that in a minute, but um, but I think he's saying there may be other ways to have this this sort of experience where you you get to go move into kind of expanded mind, big mind before uh, before you come back down, and if it's unforgettable, it stays with you in a pretty big way. Yeah, Timothy Leary did that. <laughs> right. Right. That's that's true, and yeah. I've I've got a you know more than one client who've described experiences like that where suddenly they could see them their sort of true self and mm-hmm. purpose, and then you know they're back in this body, but they they can't forget it. It's just been an awakening. Uh, good luck making that happen. I yeah. mean, not something you just get to sign up for and you know, automatically experience. Um, and um, so that's an interesting one. What it reminds me of a little bit, the NDE, have you ever had that experience where you're walking through like a, you know, a, a store somewhere? You can hear they're playing a song, but there's enough competing noise that you can't figure out what it is, in part because you can't figure out what key it's in, so it doesn't make sense. It just sounds totally. like jumbled, like random Yeah, notes, it's like there's right? a frequency you're missing. Right. And and so all you hear is like a weird bass line, line. you can't kind of tell where it is. Yeah, I totally know that. You know exactly what I mean. I'm sure all musicians out there know what I'm talking about. Hopefully everyone else does too. But there's this really sweet moment where if if the competing noise shuts up for just a second and you figure out the key it's in, and especially if you're like, oh, oh, that's it's an old Hall & Oates song. Now I know what I'm I'm hearing, right? All of a sudden, your brain can fill in all these gaps you can't actually hear because you know the song. You're like, oh, yeah, now I I know what I'm hearing now. And so like all these other little sounds make sense. I think an NDE is like that. It's like you finally know what key life is in, and you're like, okay, <laughs> got it. I can ignore yeah. all the shit that isn't about love. The rest of it is noise. This is the part that matters. And this is like all these these things. Fortunately, it doesn't write in a way that sounds as sappy as I'm making it sound. But but so many of these NDEs end up pointing back to that's the important part. All the notes is the important part. That's that what I got out of that part. <laughs> 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 That's totally it's, it. And I, I feel like anytime we get a chance to see through some sort of veil is is a, an opportunity that many of us don't take. And that falls into the missing experience of the NDE. Like, I, whatever wonder is on the other side of any experience of uncertainty, um, it, it's largely I've missed it because I back pocketed the success that would come out of that experience out of yeah. whatever reason. Fear, fear of pain, fear of death, fear of whatever. Um, you know, I, I didn't, and it goes all the way back to, we, I mean, we talked innumerable times this, <laughs> this season about the, you know, the amygdala and the amygdala, how it can be trained through experience, not insight. Like that was a, that's a, something I carry around like all the time, kind of right in the front of my face, because I want to make sure that I'm making decisions not out of fear because I know I'm going to be training myself, you know, if I, if I do, if I let, if I let let it get the better of me. Well, that's kind of the same thing. If I look back on my life at the opportunities missed for insight, it's usually because I've been scared of the journey or how it may hurt me to get to the insight that come on the other side. And that is the quintessential fear behind the NDE. Not that like I'm going to choose to go out and turn my car into incoming traffic uh, just to get there, but but it's usually that's the thing, that's the risk that seems to come, seems to evaporate when you stumble on it accidentally. I just, I, the, everything about this fascinates me. Like, what, what is that? Why, 
Why does that happen for some? Is that orchestrated? I just can't believe it's random. Yeah. I mean, if, if we believe anything about an NDE, you start to wonder if anything's random. I don't mean to say it's all just, you know, we're all just puppets on strings. I mean to say that there is a vast intelligence that is with us in this. And it cannot be an accident to just cross over and back. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the experience, the part I have trouble with is the part that is me being just a cynic. That's just hard to be wired this way, which is the, the you know, the documented uh, consistency across experiences that he has, he and his colleagues and other experts in the field have been studying for decades uh, about people who go through the experience and have similar outcomes, right? Who report similar experiences of these out-of-body experiences and all that stuff. That's really hard for me, right? Like, I hear that I'm like, hogwash, poppycock. Like, mm -hmm. no, it's not. That didn't happen. She didn't really report about that stain. I mean, you know, right? Because somebody in the hallway is saying a stain. She was a little bit lucid. Like, that whole thing. I, I am, I'm just not wired that way. And yet this conversation, more than any other we've had that have challenged my skepticism, really challenged my skepticism. And if you think the conversation does, oh, my God, read the book. Yeah. He is so freaking thorough going back. I mean, he eagerly investigates yeah. every skeptical objection. And uh, he can't find anything out there that holds yeah. a candle to this as real. That's that's the part that uh, gets me. And and I think other pieces of me or me at another time would be like, yeah, I'm not going to read the book because I don't want to be confronted in that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and man, you're not the only one. What's fascinating to me are the people out there um, who aren't just a little skeptical or a little uncomfortable. Maybe they just don't know enough, you know, not to go, come on, no way. Because yeah. It's hard to it's hard to believe in not only an NDE, but even all the research about them. There are so yeah. many people who have shown so much. But what fascinates me are the the people who get flat out mad about it. Yeah. Like there is just kind of vitriol out there pushing back on this, even from people who know the research. And I don't get it. Um, I'm fascinated by like how they will absolutely contort their prized logic to come up with ridiculous alternatives to this just being an amazing truth. Only to what? Talk themselves out of beauty? Like, yeah. what's the motivation? I don't, I don't get the unconscious wish to believe in something worse. Well, uh, it implies a loss of control. Yeah. Well, and also a feeling of like, I am at sea and it turns out my maps are wrong. Oh, my yeah, God. Right. How am I right. supposed to, where am I supposed to go from here? There's no way for me to integrate such a, a radical unknown into my known. I don't know how to do yes. that. And so I'm just going to get mad and kind and of just indignant. Just push it away. Yeah. You're helping me, Pete. This makes sense. It's an amazing thing, man. Yeah, it's a well, and and I I say that, um, because I I want to make sure I highlight for the for the record, <laughs> just how pushed I my skepticism is feeling, 
mm-hmm. and at the same time, how delightfully I am embracing the outcomes. Because the outcomes, that's that's change. Like on the other side of this, I am, as you've said, jealous. I'm enamored. I am encouraged. I am um, curious. Like all of those things about what these people experience in waking, living life after this. And I I feel like that is the aspirational part of this that I want to celebrate because I want to believe. I believe and believe, right? Ted Lasso. Like, I want to believe that I am capable of making that kind of substantive change in the world I live in, too. I want to believe that that should be my journey of empathy and kindness and goodness and awareness and love. And I don't, you know, whether I'm skeptical about the consistency of these NDE experiences by individual survivors, I kind of don't need to care. Like, that's something I don't have to have a strong opinion about. You're right. And, you know, and add one more to the list. Pleasure. One of the most interesting things he found was not just that people come back somehow more moral or, you know, now I'm on this mission to be loving so I don't have to embarrass myself in my life review. It's not that at all. It's like they also come back taking much more pleasure in their lives. Like one of the guys bought himself a Cadillac that he probably couldn't afford. And Bruce was like, what are you doing, man? He was like, Oh, but the leather is so sweet. I am enjoying this car so much. He ended up having to get rid of it, but he just said he had so much fun in the car. And that's another funny thing I'm noticing. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm buying more tickets to cool stuff and I'm playing with my kid a lot more. Like, I don't know what's going on, but you got to read this book. I'm telling you, like the irony of you latching on to a story about a dude who loves the leather in his car (laughs) between you and me is on brand. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Well, you and I were both geared that way already. But but it's true. There's something about like, there's something about, I don't know, I just... It just this, the ride just feels a little sweeter for having read the book, and the others yeah. I've I've gotten to read it are reporting the same thing. They're like, I don't know what this something about this just opens me up. It's really cool. That's pretty great. That's yeah, pretty great. It's it's one of the shows I think I'll be most proud of. It you know the looking back on on this this cool experience. Um, I have loved every freaking guest we've had. We have been so lucky, but. Something about this one has tied a lot of neat stuff together for me in a cool way. Especially to come as the last interview of the season, right? Yeah. There's something just kind of right about yeah. that. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, right, everybody, brother. for hanging out. And thanks to Bruce. Man, what a treat. Absolutely. Thanks, what a guy. Love you, too.